Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Everybody in here got a book, right, for your family, from the church, all right? Colossians chapter 3. Uh, I never have any idea who's actually going to be here. Uh, when I first started teaching and preaching, I would sometimes have somebody on my mind thinking, wow, that would be good for them to hear that. And then after a while, I started to notice that pretty much whoever it is that I thought needed to hear that, they were never there. And so a long time ago, I stopped doing that, and I just preach and teach whatever's on my mind and assume that it's for the people that are there and leave it to the Holy Spirit to take whatever part of that message they need to hear and apply it to them. And then if I have something to say to you personally, I mean, I'll say it, and I'll find you. And uh, I have done that. Um, Many times, uh, lots and lots of times. And, uh, and so uh, I really appreciate you being here. Congratulations on being here. You know, you're investing uh, in our most important earthly uh, relationship, uh, making it better. Uh, everybody has all different kinds of circumstances, but we do have that in common. We want our marriage, our home uh, to be better. Uh, I finished going over the surveys that were turned in. Uh, we had uh, 22 or 23 uh, of them. Uh, 100% of you, and this is the only time this has ever happened in the class, rated your marriage as a 6 or a higher. And uh, about 40% of you, though, had at least one area of your marriage that you rated 5 or lower. And so I really commend you on saying, hey, you know what, uh, things, you know, th this is pretty good, but there's some areas I want to work on. And that's what growth is. Growth is not just being satisfied with the parts of our life that are good. Growth is saying, you know what, I'm going to find the areas of my life that need work, and, and I'm going to work to improve and make those uh, better. You turned in 27 separate questions. And then I have a lot of others that have been turned in at the end of class. We'll cover them over the course of the next 11 weeks. Uh, we'll cover your questions about uh, the physical relationship, money, in-laws, communication, how to disagree in a healthy manner. Um, and pl please don't misunderstand me. I don't have all the answers, nor do Sharon and I have, you know, a perfect marriage. Uh, like I've told you, by the grace of God, we have a good marriage. By the grace of God, we love each other more today than we did when we, we got married and have learned over the course of 37 years, the better that we apply these biblical principles, the better our relationship uh, has uh, become. Uh, remember, you guys and 99% of the people that walk down a marriage aisle, they love one another and they believe their relationship is going to work. Uh, but 50% of them fail still. And what that means is it does take more than love and good intentions to have a successful marriage. Uh, last week we began talking about the roles God established for a husband and a wife. We established those bi biblical principles. We learned that a wife is supposed to uh, submit to her own husband as a church does to Christ that her submission is not conditioned on anything a husband does or doesn't do. It's something she does for Christ's sake. 
This is not submission of women to men in, in general. It has nothing to do with that. It is not an inferior submitting to a superior. It is one equal submitting to another equal uh, in a role assigned to them by God who created the institution of marriage. And we also learned that a husband is supposed to unconditionally love his wife as Christ loves the church. Uh, his love is not conditioned on anything she does or doesn't do. It's something he does for Christ's sake. And uh, quite frankly, uh, it is the most difficult thing to do because it is the picture of a perfect Savior loving an imperfect group of people in one of his churches, and yet it is the role God assigned to a husband. They're difficult. Both of these roles are. Uh, But God gave us 100% say in who we enter into that relationship with. God decided how parents and children are supposed to interact, but God chose parents and God chose children. God also assigned roles for husbands and wives, but he says to us, listen, you don't get to pick the role, but you get to pick the person with whom you want to be in that role with. (laughs) And they're a great blessing if We choose to do them, even though we all will fail as we attempt to do so. Uh, We review nine things always before we start. Remember, nothing can be taken back. That's been done to this point. Uh, What's done is done. Number two, all we can hope to change is today and tomorrow. Uh, They can change. Number three, if you're struggling, you didn't get where you are in a day, uh, you're not going to get out in a day. Uh, But by the grace of God, you can overcome and get out. Number four, you can only control one person in the world. (laughs) And so I ask you to focus on that one uh, in this class and in your home. Number five, there's always hope as long as God is involved. Uh, Because God is love. If you never really love, you can begin to love. Because God is love. If you don't love Him anymore, you can love again. Because God is love, you can love like you should love. Uh, yield the God. There's always hope. Number six, no one's assured to have a great marriage if you were raised in a great home. You can fail. Uh, a little over half of you in your survey said that you were raised in a home that was eight or better. <laughs> um, you can fail. No one's destined to repeat the home in which you were raised if it was bad. You can succeed. Uh, a little over a third of you said you were raised in a home that you rated as five or less. You can succeed. Number eight, the marriage you're in now is the marriage you're supposed to be working on. And number nine, the person to whom you're married now is the one to whom you're supposed to be married. I I, I wish I could just pound that into your brain and heart so that when you go through some difficult time and you ask yourself the question, did I marry the right person? I, I, I wish you would just simply have in your mind that that's an inappropriate question once you're married. And you can, by the grace of God, have a good marriage. Now, as we begin our class, we're going to start, as usual, with questions you guys have uh, turned in from the first three weeks and some from the past, just because I felt like they were extra uh, helpful uh, questions. And uh, question number one, uh, how can I become more respectful and selfless? Uh, Everything... (laughs) Uh, that's an improvement, begins with recognizing that there's a need. 
And so you've already taken the good first step. You've said to yourself, all right, I need to be more respectful. I need to be more, more selfless. Uh, what I would do then is begin to make it a daily matter of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, today, help me to be more respectful. Uh, dear Lord, today, help me to be more selfless. And then when you find yourself having the inevitable failures of being disrespectful or selfless, you confess that to God. And if it was in more than your heart, you go to your spouse and you apologize. And over time, uh, when you have a healthy relationship with Christ, it actually is the basis of having all health, healthy relationships and all good self-improvement. Question number two, how can I help my wife see that when I ask her to do something to help, it is to benefit us both? <laughs> um, the benefit to you both must not be as obvious as you think it is, or she would see it. Uh, be careful uh, failing to recognize that uh, what you're doing might not benefit her as much as you think it does. <laughs> Uh, most adults are not mature enough in their understanding to take much direct instruction or criticism. Uh, but what I would do is you need to first privately agree on who will carry out each responsibility based on how many hours you work outside the home and based on your gifts and things you like. And when either one of you fails in this, uh, consider what's gone on during the day. It's so easy to expect your spouse to be a machine, and then you get to float with, well, I didn't feel good today, I had this happen that I wasn't planning on, and, and it's so easy to treat your partner like that and lose sight of, of things. Um, make this a matter of prayer. Uh, come up with a couple of good examples. Pick a good time. Pick a good tone and have a conversation with her. And you might be just surprised to learn that what you think is benefiting you both as much as you think it is, is really only benefiting you. Uh, question number three, how do you love and show love? Uh, we'll all love more when we yield more to the God who is love. Uh, first thing you really got to do uh, in yourself and in your spouse, you got to recognize that not everybody expresses love the same way. I mean, some people express love in... Uh, the way they work around the house and the way they serve. Other people express love verbally or with affection or with intimacy or with participation in, in their partner's activity. Everybody expresses love differently. And so you're never going to recognize your spouse's expression of love if you always insist that it be couched in the way you express love. And so uh, the most mature people what they do is they look to express love in the way that it's best for their partner to re see it and recognize it. In other words, what I would suggest to you is if you by nature are somebody, you express your love in your relationship by serving and, and, and working, what I would say to you is, you, you know, that's great. Work to express it the love way your, your, your spouse best receives it. And, and that's just more mature, but you're going to have to work on it. Um, Question number four, how do you get your husband not to act like your dad? Um, first, uh, by the way, this is an old question. I don't know how long it's been in there. It's just a great question. Uh, begin by asking yourself if you're acting more like a child than a responsible adult. 
I want that to sink in. Uh, if you stop and think about this and you determine that, you know what, you're not being childish, because maybe you are. If you determine you're not being childish, then what you need to do is you pick a couple of specific examples. You make the issue a matter of prayer. You pick a good time. You pick a good tone. And you have a conversation with them. All right? Uh, don't expect every time you do that for somebody to just say, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm all messed up in that. I mean, not too many people are mature enough to do that. And so what you need to do is even when you do this right, you've got to let it sink in and um, give them time. Uh, number five, how can you continue to grow your relationship? How can we quicken the pace of becoming better? Uh, all growth by nature takes time. Um, and, and so you have to just be willing to take time. Like I've said to you several times and said publicly many times, ask yourself, how old of a person do I want to be married to? You know, if you want to be married to somebody your age, then you're going to have to accept, you know, the immaturities that go with somebody your age. You know what, if I haven't, I turned 61 in January, if I haven't matured as a person, as a Christian, and, and as a husband at all in that amount of time, there's something wrong. And, and, and so uh, you just you need to give yourself time and keep yourself in the right kinds of places. But, but there are so many benefits to being committed to a biblical church. When you're committed to a biblical church, I mean, what you in effect do when you walk in there with a sincere heart, you are saying, Lord, teach me, help me, shape me into the image of Christ. And when you do that, you will grow. Uh, question number six, is the place God planned for a woman in the home a role she will naturally take? Uh, nearly everything that God has asked us to do uh, takes some kind of supernatural help. No husband is going to unconditionally love his wife without God's help. No wife is going to unconditionally respect and reverence her husband without God's help. All these take God's help. That being said, uh, I don't think anybody just naturally fills these roles. Uh, I think uh, a man has to grow into being the kind of loving leader he's supposed to be. I think uh, women have to grow into becoming uh, a submissive follower of her husband. Uh, I don't think anybody naturally does it, and nor does God expect you to. He will help you. Uh, question number seven. How does a young Christian wife learn to grow when dealing with an overbearing and intimidating husband? Um, you know, so, uh, again, some of, you, some of you ladies get that, and some of you can't relate to what it's like to having a husband you're trying to follow who just has his thumb on everything you do. And uh, how, how do you learn to do it? Uh, again, be careful what you expect as a young woman. Um, and if your expectations of him are reasonable, uh, pick a couple of examples, pick a good time, make a matter of prayer, pick a good tone, have a conversation with him. All right? You know, uh, all of us, uh, need to be shaped in, in, into our roles. You know, maybe as you stop and think about it, maybe he's not as overbearing as you think. Um, or maybe he is, and you've you got to work through it. 
uh, if it's that bad, get some godly counsel. Uh, by the way, don't get uh, counsel from somebody in your workplace who's your age. Get godly counsel from somebody who's got some, some years on them, especially if it's someone who uh, has a similarity of relationship dynamic. And uh, that's the best counsel. Um, does everybody know what this is? Actually, you think it's a glove. But what I'm saying is you can use it as a balloon, right? And I could tie off the bottom, and uh, we could give it to a kid, and, well, maybe you could. This is a real balloon. It was designed by its creator to do exactly what a balloon is to do. And you know, when we use something the way it was designed by its creator, we can turn it into a sword, right? You know, our marriages are like that. I mean, what the average person does is they say, I want a marriage, and then they try to build it on their own terms. In reality, if you want something to work to its highest capacity, whether it's a balloon or a glove, uh, you're going to have to do it the way the Creator designed it to be done. And that's what we're doing in this class. We're just simply pausing and talking about how our Creator designed marriage to be. He designed it in the end for you to have security. He designed it in the end for you to have love. He designed it in the end for you to have a place where you can go and share your heart and be comfortable. He designed it that way. But you and I are never going to get that using our recipe. You should be in your Bible in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, by the way, remember, there's not a lot of things that God repeats. Uh, last week, from Ephesians chapter 5, we talked about the biblical roles that God established. Notice what it says in Colossians 3, verse 17. It says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, that is, is fit, uh, in the Lord, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You may notice that this really is the same basic message repeated that you and I studied from last week where God established the roles of husbands and wives. Uh, remember, this is not Roman customs. This is not Jewish customs. This is not Paul's chauvinism. It is the Creator's plan for the institution of marriage. And you and I, though we will all struggle, we will always be bettered and blessed if we sincerely attempt to try to follow God's plan. Do you recognize the similarity? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, not women to all men. Uh, did you notice the same? Uh, husbands, love your wives. Uh, be not bitter against them. And 
you and I uh, are all going to struggle with these roles and we need to become good forgivers and we need to be patient. But in the end, uh, if we sincerely try to follow these, uh, it's going to really help us. Someone in the past asked this question, what is not relevant nowadays to be a good wife? By the way, it's a great question. But the thing of it is, is culture doesn't really get to determine what makes a marriage. See, we have a, we're pounded in our head all the time that all cultures are equal. That's not a true statement. All cultures are equal till some aspect of that culture defies something our Creator taught. I mean, for instance, eating people in a cannibalistic culture is still not good. Uh, women <laughs> browbeating their husbands uh, in an Amazon culture is not good. A husband's pounding and belittling their wives in a chauvinistic culture, that's not good. God wrote the Bible on purpose using principles rather than specifics so that you and I, whether it's America in 2021 or Uganda in 70 A.D., that we could take these principles and apply them to our homes and have a blessed life. Don't pretend it's 70 years ago in America. Uh, don't pretend that our ungodly, dark culture today knows anything about what makes a good marriage. And I would say to you, brother, if you don't like these roles, i just remind you, you picked her. And whether you like it or not, for Christ's sake, it is your job to unconditionally love her. And sister... You may not like that role, uh, but you picked him. And you will be better off trying to fill it for Christ's sake. And so what I want to do is this week and next week, I want to just talk about practically how, how do we apply these principles in our homes and in, in, in our life. Remember, the Bible sets these principles and then you and I need to apply them. And uh, to someone to say, uh, I, I'm not going to try to apply it because I don't believe the principle, that's just dead wrong. Now, some of these detailed applications, you could argue about them a little bit. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm just making some practical suggestions on ways to fill this. And I'm just going to go back and forth uh, to this on practical ways. A husband can provide leadership, uh, loving leadership in his home and uh, practical ways a wife could uh, follow the authority of her husband. Here's the first one. For a husband to provide leadership in your home, number one, uh, have areas that are assigned to each spouse according to your strength. Uh, brother, if you're the kind of guy who more naturally tries to dominate and control uh, everything, uh, you need to remember that you're leading your lover and not your child. You are leading your lover, not an employee. And so what you need to do is you need to give your spouse areas where she controls and then let her make decisions in that area where you delegated authority to her. Somebody one time asked the question, should a wife always ask her husband before doing something? And I would ask you a question, what does he expect? How big of an issue is it? Are you deciding to buy fancy shampoo like Suave instead of Meyer? Are you spending hundreds of dollars? It's a good question. Are you generally good at making decisions or not? 
Let's just be honest. There's some people, they're just bad decision makers. <laughs> um, in my view, uh, I think that when you assign areas to somebody, you know what, I don't want my wife to be running everything by me. Why do you want it? I want my wife to be fulfilled in the areas she's responsible for. In our particular house, uh, my wife does all the stuff associated with the yard and the house and, and all the decorations. And, and I think I said this before. I mean, she'll come to me and say, hey, what do you think about a pink door? And in my heart, I think, why can't we just have a color like everyone else? And then, well, if you want a pink door, give it a try. It's her area. Uh, she used to buy, uh, pay all our bills. Now, I can tell you, uh, I'm like an organized person. And, you know, she'd have a pile of stuff in the kitchen table. And, you know, when she got them paid. But the way she did it, I'm like, <gasps> But just keep my mouth shut. I told you before, my wife buys all our groceries. It really, uh, for a long time, just frosted my mug that she didn't get coupons. And you just let it go. Um, delegate areas and, and let them have it. And, and by the way, one of these weeks, or maybe two, we'll talk about uh, finances. And, and if you're not going to keep up with the finances, brother, you, you need to delegate that to your wife. And then if you delegate it to her, let her make the decisions. Don't you turn around and say, yeah, I'd put you in all charge of that. And by the way, I just spent 120 bucks on a fishing rod. You know, let her run it. Uh, make sure she has some of her own time and space. Encourage her in her hobbies. Encourage her to have friends outside of you. Why are you trying to dominate everything in her life? I, I don't think that's loving leadership. I want my wife to be happy. I want her to be fulfilled. I want her to find things in life she loves doing. I want to support her in it. Recently, my wife started, and, and she had to work today, which I hate, um, but the lady that replaced her had surgery. Um, she started painting watercolors. And, um, hey, you want watercolor paints and stuff? Great. Go for it. I want her to do that. That's loving leadership. Uh, many, many years ago when we were first married, uh, and I don't know why we did this, but uh, she packed my suitcase and we went to Florida. And we got down there and I'm like, hey, where's my belt? And um, it wasn't in there. And I started to give her a little grief about it. And she says, well, then you pack your own luggage. And I have for 36 years. I say, why? That was very reasonable. If I'm not going to be happy with the way she does it, then I need to do it. How can a wife practically submit to and reverence her husband? Here's number one. Say as few of negative things, negative things as possible about his leadership, especially when he's young, even more so in public. Listen, he can't take it. <laughs> Guys are weak. They're simple. We, we don't like them. I mean, we're weak. We're, we're simple. And when he's young, you have the power to take away all of his confidence or to help build it. 
And if you are always just coming back after every little decision and being critical of what, he, what, he, what he's done, what's going to happen is you're going to cause him to stop wanting to provide leadership. You're going to cause him to stop wanting to take responsibility. And the chances are very likely he, he's just going to quit trying. And you will have done it to him. You have the power to help him to be a better, better stronger man. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you have a strong opinion over what's, what you think should be done, you need to express it. But I'm just saying, when something is done, for, for you to just run it all down, in the end you're just going to rob all his confidence. Please hear this statement. When you tear him down, you are destroying your own security and lowering your own potential. When you tear your leader down, you are not lifting yourself up. When you tear your leader down, you are lowering the potential you have to rise. And by the way, let me just add this. Quit listening to some of the criticism that other women have about your husband. You know, um, he's too pushy. He's too weak. I can't believe he, he made you do that. Just tell her to shut up. Well, that's probably a little rude. Just smile and think to yourself, shut up. Practical ways for a husband to provide leadership in his home and, and love his wife. Here's number two. Take it upon yourself to make your wife feel special and loved. Keep your eyes open for things to compliment her on. Do you always notice when she gets her hair done? Do you notice when she gets some, some new piece of clothing? Listen, for most of us guys, that's about as unnatural as, as can be. And I won't say I'm good at it, but I work on it. Uh, look to be thankful for uh, things that she does and notice them. If your wife is the one that does the laundry and puts it away, do you ever notice? Do you ever thank her? What about when she makes dinner? Do you always say, hey, thank you, or that was good? Again, I can say this because my wife isn't here. I, I, you know, I say, I say to Sharon all the time, yeah, "Man, you're just awesome." You, you remember, <laughs> just like a wife uh, doesn't build up herself when she tears her husband down, a husband doesn't build up himself when he tears his wife down. He tears himself down. Schedule a date with her every week. Um, that's a question on the survey. Uh, I did count that, but I forgot to mark it down in my notes. Schedule a date with her every week. You say, we can't afford that. Find somebody you trust and swap babysitting. Listen, the thing that caused you to fall in love or choose to love more accurately was spending time together, doing things together. Is it not ironic that after we get married, we stop doing that and then wonder why our love is not as exciting? Brother, take the lead in doing that. Uh, generally, on, on Sunday or Monday, I will say something, Sharon, when this week are you free? When can we do something? Now, uh, listen, uh, for mo now that our kids are gone, we're both working, it's different, but there was a time when we had three kids at home and it was only me working, and like when I would take the boys out, we would split an icy. You know, and, and so, you, you know, you might need to just walk in the park and eat a bologna sandwich, but, but do something. My, go to Walmart together. 
uh, just go and just privately nudge each other at the Walmart shoppers. Just said, <laughs> <Try one. laughs> you know, just do something. It's making your wife feel special and, and loved. Give her affections and compliments at times when there's no way that sex can be involved. One of these weeks, we're going to spend a whole uh, uh, lesson talking uh, about that. You know what? You ought to, when there's just absolutely no way it's going to lead to anything, you, you ought to tell her you love her. You ought to come behind her and squeeze her. And come up and tap her on that tush. Uh, you, you ought to just be affectionate to her at times when there's absolutely nothing you're going to have potential of gaining out of it just to make her feel special. Make sure she is getting more of your time and attention than any other one person in your life. Open doors for her. Remember anniversaries and birthdays. So how do you do that? I don't know how you do it. I have to put it on my calendar. And it's on my Google calendar with a, uh, for my wife, like a, a one-day reminder and a ten-days-ahead reminder. And so it makes me think, well, you know what? Her birthday's coming up. I, I might want to think about that. And then if I've just been negligent, and it's one day before, I've got reminder number two. Listen, just make her feel special in love. Remember, you're supposed to unconditionally love her. Practical ways for a wife to submit to and reverence her husband. Here's number two. Remember that he can only lead your home if you let him. I, I, I want you to uh, just let that sink in for a moment. Your husband can only lead your home if you let him. I mean, think about this. God himself is a perfect leader, and yet there are people who do not follow God's leadership. God will lead anybody who lets him lead them, but if, God, if someone doesn't let God lead them, there's nothing he's going to do. Your husband can only lead your home if you let him. And so you are going to have to decide by faith, for Christ's sake, to let him lead your home. Please hear this statement. The best leaders only emerge if people choose to follow their leadership and give them a chance. And you know what? If you got married at 18 or 19 and you're really young, you know, just expect really young leadership. It's okay. He will never emerge as a leader unless you let him. Remember, he, you can break him. You can't make him, but you can break him by your unwillingness to follow. Quit listening to the lies of our culture and romance novels and movies about how things should be in your home. Quit listening to your friends who brag about getting their own way or running their husband down. You know what that all sounds? Yeah, he's told me to do this. And I said, hey, you're not telling me what to do. And you think to yourself, all right, that's stupid, but go ahead. Practical ways a husband can provide loving leadership for his wife. Here's number three. Look out for the best interests of your wife and family as you make decisions. She, she ought to believe from your track record that if you have an opportunity to spend money or take time, you're going to do it on her and your family. 
She ought not to have in her mind that the moment you have a free moment, you're ditching her and the family for golf or that you're going to go spend $120 on a fishing rod. I love buying fishing tackle. Your, your wife ought to feel from your track record that when you have freedom and you have chance, you're going to spend it on her or your family. By the way, brother, why do you think why would you ever think you have authority from God to lead your home away from God? <laughs> he didn't give you authority to lead your home and family away from God, selfish stinker. God gave you authority to lead your family after Christ, to follow the Bible, to do what He wants done in that home. That's why He put you there. Practical ways for a wife to submit to and reverence her own husband. Remember, all these things, they're, they're done imperfectly. It is impossible, no matter how old you are, no matter how mature you are, to do all these things perfectly. But these are the things that if we sincerely do them, they will really help our relationship. Here's number three. Quit trying to control him in subtle ways. You, you know, again, uh, I... Every seasoned wife here knows this. Your husband is a simple creature. And I'm not trying to be crude, but if he's had enough intimacy and enough food and he's not getting that many problems uh, from you or anybody else, he's probably happy as a June bug on May 31st. He is a simple creature. And it is very easy for you, because you can to subtly control him. Sometimes by withholding affection. Sometimes with bad moods and mood swings and bad attitudes. Instead, subtly build him up and encourage him. He's really, the likelihood of him having any idea that you're subtly building up and encourage him, he probably has no idea that it'll make a huge difference for you because remember, when you tear him down, you're tearing yourself and your future down. N nothing rises above leadership. That, that's true in a church, that's true in a business, it's true in a country, it's true in a home. So when you tear him down, you hurt everything. And I'm out of time. should have a pink slip and next week, Lord willing, we'll begin to pick up again and practical ways to uh, fill these roles for husbands to unconditionally love their wives and wives to unconditionally reverence and respect her husband. If you did not get one of these pink slips of paper, if you would lift your hand, I'll get you one. Write something on it. I love snide remarks. Good to see you, Mike. And just write something on it. Turn it in in the front. And, uh, and then you're basically dismissed. Good to see you. all good. That's the worst problem you have today. Be all right. <laughs> Just write something, fold it up, set it on the front here.